0: Hey, everybody. I am so excited for this chat today with Broadcom, the global tech powerhouse that's in the news pretty much every day. Uh, Ram, how are you?
1: Good morning. Doing well. Thank you. Well,
0: how thanks you? for joining. And I've been looking forward to this uh, so much. Uh, started my career as an electrical engineer in 1992. Gosh, I feel old. So fast forward. Uh, to this day, and there are so many innovations uh, happening in sil- silicon semiconductor software systems and beyond. But before that, maybe if you could introduce yourself and uh, your team within Broadcom.
1: Yeah, um, my name is Ram Balaga. Um I run the switching and routing group uh, in uh, Broadcom. Uh, Soon, I would have been here in Broadcom for about 12 years. Uh, Prior to that, I was with a large networking company for about 12 years. So pretty much the entirety of my uh, career has been in switching and routing and networking. Um, And we have in Broadcom a team of about 1,300 um, engineers, um, some in California, some in uh, India, some in Israel. And a few in the uh, uh, Far East, uh, Far East Asia. So, that's about uh, a quick overview
0: of our team. oh wow, it's a, a fascinating mission, and Broadcom is is so diverse and uh, and interesting as an organization. Of course, you're known for your M and A uh, activity, and you joined Broadcom through Avago in 2015. Now, what was that journey like?
1: Yeah, actually. Um, we, I came through Broadcom, you know, the interesting part of the story here is Avago bought, you know, Broadcom,
0: but I had it it backwards. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Avago uh, bought Broadcom, but kept the Broadcom, you know, name because Broadcom is kind of a, you know, very, very powerful brand. And really a lot of the technology leadership that was there, you know, inside of uh, you know, Broadcom. Now, the interesting part was when Avago bought, you know, Broadcom, Avago was a less known company and, mm. you know, of a smaller scale potentially in terms of revenues compared to, you know, what Broadcom was. And a lot of people were really concerned uh, when the news came out and uh, that said, hey, you know, headline, You usually you, you hear rumor on Wall Street, you know, journal a day before something happens. And, you know, a lot of our team was, what does this mean? You know, Avago is not necessarily known for being doing a lot of leading edge technology, and so on and so forth. Does it mean there'll be less of R and D investment, and so on and so forth? In reality, actually, you know, what manifested itself in is Mr. Hoktan, who ran Avago then and Broadcom, you know, now, is very focused on doing you know few things and doing them extremely well. Generally, there's a tendency within companies, you know, is which is there's a core competency that gets them to a certain amount of scale and growth. And after they achieve that, you know, great uh, growth and you know scale, then for continued ability to grow, they start investing in a lot of other, you know, side markets and technologies which might not necessarily mm. pan out. But in an attempt to do that, because there's a lot of pressure from the public markets, and they end up starving the core businesses. Mm. So what ends up happening is your core businesses that have a potential to grow are not fully, you know, uh, you know, taken advantage of. And a lot of your side bets don't manifest themselves. And so Mr. Hawk, uh, it has a different approach, which is he looks at core businesses and say, look, there is a tremendous opportunity to continue to be leaders in this space. Let's invest in this you know, business grow the business and make sure we are industry leaders. And that's exactly what ended up happening to our team, which is, you know, back in, uh, you know, 2016, right after we got acquired, you know, mostly what I heard from our, you know, competition and customers is, look, you guys are not going to be able to invest. You won't be able to innovate. So there's an opportunity for us to come and grow, take, take away a share from you. And, you know, so on and so forth. But in reality, what's happened is over the period of the last, you know, seven to eight years, the size of our, you know, R and D investment actually, you know, grew almost, you know, two and a half to three x in size. Wow. We have the same number of people. Right? The interesting thing is, we didn't necessarily grow the size of our team, but we have invested in largely in the team. If you think about it, if you're, in, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you know, you're spending two and a half to three times more if you have the same number of people, and seventy percent of the cost of running an, you know, engineering organization is people cost. Generally, what it means is that people are getting rewarded, you know. Well, and you're hiring the best and the brightest talent, and you keep a lean, you know, a lean organization, and you move very, very fast. So lo and behold, you know, eight years later, I would say we've been able to innovate faster than we've been able to innovate before, and we continue to have industry leading products. Uh, we have some of the best talent in the industry, and we have very low, you know, attrition rate. You know, generally in a technology industry where you probably have uh, 8 to 10 plus percent attrition, you know, the attrition in our in our organization, specifically in my team, is less than about, you know, 2% a year, probably even closer to 1%. Wow. So I would say we're thankful for the acquisitions that have happened. We're thankful for, you know, Mr. Hocktan's focus on uh, leadership of products and more importantly, his focus on you know, keeping a lean organization and rewarding the team well, but also expecting that the team delivers, you know, industry-leading products.
0: Industry-leading products, indeed. And let's dive right in because uh, we're hearing about AI all day, every day, everywhere, all at once, like the movie, um, particularly with uh, CES happening r- right now. But not so much about what's happening at uh, layer two, layer three uh, of the network that actually powers all of this cool AI innovation, devices, applications, etc. So, you know, in the context of AI, you know, tell us about innovation there at the Ethernet level, the Ethernet product solution level.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for most of us, we would say we weren't thinking much about, you know, AI till, you know, December of 2022, Mm -hmm. uh, when, you know, ChatGPT first unveiled itself and everybody was kind of, you know, really taken back by the power of what's possible uh, then. Um, and uh, so you look at this now, you know, we've had a lot of time, you know, to think about this problem, even just before, you know, November of you know, 2022. Uh, AI is really a distributed computing problem. And the reason mm-hmm. I say it's a distributed computing problem, you know, is the fact that you can take any workload, like if you think about a large language model you cannot fit a large language model onto a single gpu you need many thousands mm-hmm. if not tens of thousands and people are already talking about hundreds of thousands of gpus working mm-hmm. together so that they can train a large language model right so when you take one workload and it is distributed amongst a lot of different individual compute nodes it's a distributed computing problem right mm-hmm. You know, one of the earlier manifestations of a distributed computing problem was, for example, when Google built their search engine about 20 years ago. The search engine, you could not do it on one CPU. They had rows and racks of, you know, CPUs, tens of thousands of those, hundreds of thousands of those, which filled up a data center. And the search engine actually ran on many one, many of these machines. Right. So it's very important to understand that machine learning is a distributed computing problem on steroids. That's very different than the whole idea of virtualization and cloud computing, right? Because if you think about what virtualization is, it says any one application cannot fully consume a CPU. So I'm going to virtualize the CPU and run multiple different applications. So generally, in a cloud computing, you don't stress the network like you would do in a distributed computing problem. And a lot of this HPC workloads, you know, even before you heard about ML AI, you know, whether it is weather simulations, seismic simulations or all of this work that happens in the HPC, they were all distributed computing problems. In a distributed computing problem, the network essentially connects all these compute nodes and the network is the computer. And this is what Sun said, you know, a long time ago, you know, almost 20 to 25 years ago. I didn't understand it then when they said network is the computer. And today I can, you know, I'm an absolute believer the network is the computer because if the network doesn't work, any one GPU cannot get the work done. So... With that as a backdrop, and once you actually realize that the network is a computer, and I would also give credit to you know Mr. Jensen, you know, a few years ago when um, they bought you know Mellanox because they kind of realized for the GPUs to scale, yeah. you need to essentially have the network, right? So all of this essentially points to the fact that you need a network. And and how do you actually scale to these kinds of you know very, very large scale you know topologies? And our you know, belief there, and it's already proven that Ethernet is a solution because Ethernet, if you think about it, it's already running in the large cloud you know, platforms. Mm. And it's connecting hundreds of thousands of you know, uh, CPUs, if not you know, many more. And then the exact same Ethernet technology can be used to connect a lot of these um, you know, GPUs together. So then you say, okay, you're going to connect a lot of these GPUs together and you're going to connect tens of thousands of these GPUs, and each of these GPUs is going to require 200 gigs, 400 gigs of, you know, Ethernet coming out of it, then how do you do it? So effectively what you need to do is you need to have a network that's very scalable and actually is very, very economical and easy to build and and Mm plug-and-play, right? This is where I would actually say you have to democratize the network. If you're able to democratize the network, It's not a network that, you know, otherwise costs a million dollars to build 128 ports of 100 gig, right? Actually, if you think about it, you know, not long ago, you would be spending a lot of money to to build a network. So you need to democratize the network. Once you democratize the network, then you also democratize machine learning, right? Hmm. So that's where I think it's not talked about, but Ethernet is fundamental to machine learning and AI because the network is the compute. In a distributed computing problem.
0: Well, oh, wonderful insight there. And let's talk about Ethernet. I was just recently watching a talk with Bob Metcalf, the great yep. creator, inventor. Him and his team at Park of of Ethernet. And um, gosh, how time flies from the seventies. Huh? But you know, given all the innovation there and the openness of Ethernet, what's next uh, from your perspective? for Ethernet and the whole, you know, gigantic ecosystem that spawned from this amazing uh, platform.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. And actually, a lot of credit to Mr. Medcap, And, you know, today, just as a data point, there's about 600 million new Ethernet ports that get shipped every year. Wow. 600 million Ethernet ports every new year. And I actually was just doing the math. Apparently there's about 150 you know, million you know, babies born every year. <laughs> so you could literally have four Ethernet ports, one for each limb, <laughs> you know, hypothetically, you know, for every baby born. And that is the scale of Ethernet, right? And the beauty of Ethernet, it's plug and play. The beauty of Ethernet is it's standards-based, it's interoperable, and you could have, you know, a dozen vendors or more all bring their Ethernet products and make all of this, you know, work together, right? Now, the beauty of Ethernet is also because of the scale and plug-and-play and and there's so much competition, you know, in this space, the economics of Ethernet are unmatched, you know, both in terms of the performance improvements and the reduction Mm -hmm. in price per gigabit of bandwidth delivered or power per gigabit of bandwidth, you know, delivered. And to just kind of, you know, highlight this a little bit more, about 10 years ago, if you went to buy, you know, and you wanted to buy 128 ports of 100 gigabit Ethernet, right? 128 ports of 100 gigabit Ethernet, you would essentially get a system which was half rack, you know, uh, half rack in height. Right. It would cost about a million dollars. Okay? Wow. And it was would consume 20,000 watts of power. Okay, so half rack height, a million dollars, and 20,000 watts of power. Okay, today we have a device, you know, this is called, you know, Tomahawk 5. Mm. And this device is 512 ports of 100 gig. So I was talking about 128 ports. This is four times the bandwidth, right? 512 okay, you're talking about a million dollars. Today, you can buy a box that is based on this for, you know, maybe a $20,000, around $20,000 plus or minus, depending on who you're buying it from, right? So, and then the power of this device is less than a thousand watts. So think about it. In 10 years, you went from something That is 128 ports of 100 gig to 512 ports of 100 gig, a million dollars down to $20,000 plus or minus, from 20,000 watts of power to less than 1,000 watts of power. So when people are worried about inflation, I would say (laughs) at least it is not in the
0: Ethernet world. (laughs) Okay. It's the ultimate deflation, yes. It it is the
1: ultimate deflation. And why? One, it's because the economies of scale on Ethernet, just the fact that you have 600 million ports and you have a lot of Mm. competition, the reason you have a lot of competition is it's open standards, everything is plug and play. So people are constantly kind of, you know, innovating. And there's a very large ecosystem, you know, uh, built around this, right? So I'd like to kind of, you know, remind everybody that what we take for granted for Ethernet, today is the essence for everything connected, you know, whether you're at home, you're at work, you're, mm. you're you know, driving around, you know, it's the, uh, it's the, you know, basically the highways on which everything that's possible today is happening. And, you know, I'm very thankful for Mr. Met, Mr. Metcalf, and everybody else who contributed to it.
0: Now, yes. you take that
1: and say, yeah, sorry, Evan, go ahead.
0: No, please continue. I'm yeah. intrigued.
1: You take that and say, okay, is the Ethernet that we have today great enough for where we want to mm. go forward going forward as we connect in million, you know, if not hundreds of thousands of GPUs and millions of GPUs, what else needs to happen? And that's when we said, hey, look, there's some enhancements that can happen to Ethernet. And as Ethernet has always been, you bring a collection of different, you know, industry leaders to the table and talk about enhancements that need to happen to the Ethernet. So about a couple of years ago. We started this consortium called the Ultra Ethernet Consortium, Mm. entirely focused on being able to connect up to a million GPUs, each having at least a few hundreds of gigabits of bandwidth coming out of each of them so that you can build very, very large clusters to run this and run and train these very large language models. Broadcom was one of the founders, you know, along with you know, host of other companies like Intel, AMD, Microsoft, Meta, mm. and so on and so forth. So, where we are today is in making those improvements to Ethernet so that it can scale with the lowest latency fabric that is possible, in a way that it is interoperable, easy to manage, and extremely reliable. Because when you're running networks of this scale, what you don't want is a network that is flaky, right? So that's where, you know, Ethernet is headed, heads down, focused on it. You know, the challenges that AI is going to, you know, keep throwing at the network. Ethernet is here. Already, you know, seven out of the eight largest cloud, you know, providers in the world are already running their AI infrastructure based on Ethernet. And our goal is to continue to scale this
0: going forward. Wow, incredibly exciting. Very interesting. So let's talk about the marketplace. Um, you know, this credible growth Uh, hypersonic growth, um, but change and disruption for everyone, including uh, companies like Broadcom. How do you stay agile? How do you adapt to all of these new market requirements and continue kind of to stay ahead of the curve? Yeah. um, You know, one, I think
1: uh, agility to a certain extent is also a structure of your organization. You know, the fact that Mm -hmm. our team has kind of pretty much been the same size of the team. You know, seven eight years to go. What it is now allows us to keep a very lean organization, very flat. You know, we don't have many layers of the organization, and what that means is the information in the organization flows very very fast, and we are able to actually make decisions very fast. Doesn't necessarily mean all our decisions are right all the times, but when you make fast decisions and mobilize the organization move quickly, even if it is an you know bad decision, you have a you know feedback loop that is just as fast, and you're able to course correct. And by virtue of the fact that you actually have a lean organization means you have your ears to the ground. You're constantly actually looking at what's happening around you. You're staying close to your customers and getting feedback from the customers. You get good feedback from the ecosystem and you're able to move very quickly. So I think it's that's very, very fundamental, being able to move quickly in an organization that is lean and agile and is also paranoid. We always, you know, remind ourselves the business that we have built over the last 10, 20 years could be easily lost in a span of two, three, four years if we mm. are not in executing and not innovating, right? For us, we very strongly believe in execution. And that's why if you actually look at our, you know, last 10 you know, years plus of execution, methodically every 18 to 24 months, we double the bandwidth of our switches. Mm. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. Actually, somebody from outside can predict what our roadmap is because they'll say, hey, look, These guys came out with the chip in 2012, 2014, 2016, 2018, 2020, 2022, 2024. I can tell you what they're going to do in 2024 and 2026. And it's extremely important because when we are predictable, the ecosystem around us also is able to build and make sure that they are being very productive, building their products around us, and we're able to move very, very fast. So I would say being paranoid, lean organization, focus on execution is what we do. Love that.
0: sounds so simple, but of course... It's not. Um, I'd love to hear leadership lessons or insights you might be able to share from leading such a dynamic uh, business unit in Broadcom for so many years. You know, just what we just touched
1: on right now, right? One is being paranoid. Do not take your current state, Mm -hmm. you know, for granted. And number two, uh, you know, book that I have read 20 years ago that I believe in every day is Innovator's Dilemma which is the market that is yours today, could very easily be disrupted by disruptive technology. So you always have to worry about being able to disrupt your own self because you know, if you worry about the margins that you have today, the products that you have today, and you're trying to defend them, you could be disrupted by something that you haven't thought about. So be willing to disrupt yourself. And number three, really focus on execution and being able to you know, execute is a function of having the team that's aligned a lean organization, a very flat organization, and you know, being very close to the customers as well as your entire ecosystem. I think those are my three
0: great, great advice. You can't go wrong with that. Um, developers, developers, developers. Of course, it's uh, always a focus. Um, lots of new developers entering the market with Gen AI. Lots of new OEM prospects for you. I can imagine Broadcom, Silicon, and all kinds of. New uh, platforms, uh, as, as as you can imagine, better than I. Any advice to developers on getting started, going down the road of, of building in advanced layer two, layer three connectivity? Any lessons learned from, you know, working with OEMs for so many years?
1: Yeah, you know, what I would say is networking is plumbing that you only think of when it stops working, <laughs> right? So when you go and especially talk to the, uh, in the next generation of potentially networking engineers that I come in, people don't necessarily think about being in networking. They're thinking about how do I work at the application layer, how do I write mm. some software, and so on and so forth. But I would say networking is such an exciting you know, uh, piece because if networking doesn't work, nothing's going to work. And there's so much mm. innovation to be had in networking. So first I would say, please pay attention to networking. And there's a lot that could be done in, you know, networking and the opportunity to actually innovate in networking is so interesting. As, as a matter of fact, when you look at, you know, companies, whether it's Google and so on and so forth, do you see the amount of white papers and papers or the research papers mm-hmm. that are writing based on innovations that can happen, you know, networking? So first I would say, you know, think about the art of what's possible. Don't take, you know, Ethernet for granted as it is today. People keep innovating, you know, in networking. So you should do that. You know, in number two um, is obviously there's a lot of platforms that you can, you know, continue to grow on with regards to, you know, the silicon that's available, the operating system stacks that can be developed, the next generation of operating system stacks that could be developed. So there's one message is do not ignore networking. It's a great opportunity to be in its essence of computing.
0: Oh, fantastic advice. So we're in the heat of 2024. I can't believe it, but here we are. Any uh, trips, travel events coming up? Uh, you're going to be hitting the road soon, I imagine. Anything you might share? Well, looking forward to
1: you know MWC, you know, mm-hmm. Barcelona, where I, I think you know, we'll get to hear a lot more from everybody else about what's happening in the you know area of uh, ML, AI, in the context of uh, networking. Mm. So I, I think that's next on uh,
0: next immediate trips. Fantastic. Well, I'll be there. Look forward to seeing you in person. And thanks so much for your time and, and the insights. I know you're extraordinarily busy. Much appreciated. And thanks everyone for watching. Reach out to Broadcom. They're all over social media with great content and white papers and uh, news announcements. So uh, catch them there. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity. Have a good day. Take care, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thank you.